Hello, Two Principles Podcast listeners. We are so grateful for all the support and appreciate you following us where you listen to your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate, review our podcast. You can also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Two Principles. Check us out on the web at www.twoprinciples.com. We are so grateful for our Two Principles podcast partners, HealthWise Behavioral Health and Wellness. HealthWise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. Their comprehensive services are rooted in evidence-based science that suggests an important interconnectedness of the mind, body, and experience. This blend of offering both traditional psychology services with the opportunity to learn and practice mind-body skills via our studio workshops and classes offers an innovative approach to the care we offer you and your family. We are excited to record our Two Principles podcast from the beautiful HealthWise Yoga and Wellness Studio located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota. We would like to extend our extreme gratitude for the opportunity to partner with HealthWise Behavioral Health and Wellness. Green Boy Brand. We want to thank Mike Minnick with Green Boy Brand for helping us design our two principles artwork and logo. Mike is a designer first and can help you customize your brand. If you are looking for an artwork design or logo or some cool merch, you can check him out at www.greenboybrand.com. We are grateful for the partnership with Green Boy Brand. They have done work for schools, businesses, sports organizations, and everything in between. Green Boy Brand can get you looking and feeling sharp. When you go with Green Boy, you're choosing to get a personal touch rather than a cookie cutter look. Green Boy understands that you're looking for something fun, comfortable, and different. Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, where we help you get out of your head and into your heart. The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. I'm John Reeves, and I'm hanging out with the Two Principles. Can I pepper you with questions as much Anytime as you, you want, you can. So, so Kev, what are, we, are, we, are we good here? We now? are good... Um, okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start rolling here, bro. Yeah, I think we're good. Let's get it. All right, I, uh, I'm glad that we're all ready to go here. Uh, we're gonna have an epic show, by the way, Kev. So I just want you let's to know it. that I'm, I'm naming that. All right, Kev, let's roll. The mics are hot. Hello, and welcome to today's show, episode number four. As always, I'm super excited to be here with my good friend Kevin. And we are fired up to have John Reeves in studio. By the way, folks, he's looking good. Hey, I'm Jason Paris. I'm Kevin Jost. And we are the Two Principles, the Two Principles podcast where we put the focus on leadership, work-life balance, stress reduction, and mental health. Thanks for tuning in today as we continue to walk this journey together, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. Hey, every episode, we will stay true to the Two Principles purpose Consider the impact of our words and actions. Be in the moment, stay present, and give it our best today. And we are going to absolutely have some fun. 
All right, we're going to get this show rolling, okay? Um, as always, it's time for that two principles check-in. We are going to uh, include uh, John in on this, but uh, Jason, let's start with you. How are you doing? Hey, you know what? I, I'm doing really well. I, first of all, I want the mailbag. I got, a, I got some feedback over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you've seen that, you know, since you've, you've put me as a communications director. Yeah. Um, but there You're was welcome, some, by the way. Yeah, thank you. There was some feedback uh, that we received early and I believe we've already fixed it. And it had to do with the mics. And so I just want to let people know that, yep, we were able to. The mics are great. I think it had to do with the cords. Is that correct? We had to, we messed around with some cord stuff. Yeah, bottom line is I bought some cheap cords. So <laughs> now we got some different ones. So those that uh, sent that in, appreciate you letting us know, giving us that feedback. The other thing, uh, Kev, that uh, I've, I've heard multiple times, either through a text or an email was, hey, I know you are, we're in the education field, but the acronyms, could we spell out the acronyms? So a lot of times we'll say, you know, maybe SEL or something like sure. that. People that aren't in education don't know what that means. And there are people that are listening that aren't in education. So that's one thing maybe we could do as well, too. And the last thing I got here, Kev, is they want more pictures and videos of you. They want those pics on social media. They they love the way you look. The drip. They want more tattoo shots, too, I hmm. think. Okay. Uh, anyway, Sounds hey, good. Reeves, uh, last week I, w- I was talking about, I wasn't feeling well last week and, uh, you know, when you're not feeling well, you did the workout thing, right? And I know you're a big workout guru. Um, uh, what's your opinion when you're not feeling well, uh, about working out or not working out? I think my, my, uh, mindset has changed over the years with that a little bit. Um, <laughs> my schedule's a little bit tight right now, as I know you guys fight as administrators as well. And so when I'm feeling down, I have a tendency to push it a little bit and still get in the gym because the amount of time that I have in the gym is limited. And so I like to get in there because it, it, it helps me. I feel better afterwards. And obviously it depends on what you're feeling, obviously, if you're sick. Yeah, awesome. Well, Kevin over here, he's a little crazy. So he's the kind of guy... And I love the guy, but he's the type of guy that he'll go run a, a a race with 102 fever, coughing and all that stuff. So um, that's that's where Kev's at. But he he's a go getter. He uh, I mean he gets he gets stuff done. And I don't know if that's the greatest advice I would give to people. Nope. Would you agree with me no, on that? No, it's not the greatest. Yeah. What's the thought process behind that, Kevin? Well, I paid for the race. <laughs> I gotta do it. Uh, a little bit like that. Just, you know, hey, I, usually you pay for those things in advance, and so you feel like you just got to do it. It's a fiscal decision is what it you're is. saying. It is. I'm right. trying to be financially responsible. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's That's not the good, healthiest. Though, but you know but, what? You, you, you're you doing it right. So anyway, feeling better. Um, last weekend, Kevin, like you knew, uh, was up at the North Shore. Uh, and you know that area. It's a beautiful yep. area. Rose, what do you think? You you big North Shore kind of guy? We are. My wife and I go up quite often, even in the winter when we can. Uh, we've got a fall trip every year that her family's done for over 30 years at the same resort. Um, love getting on the Superior Hiking Trail as we can. And now that our boys are getting a little bit older, they can enjoy it too. I think our son spent probably about eight hours a day this fall just spending time throwing rocks into the lake. So it's pretty fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah, we were up there last weekend. And we reason we were up there a couple is... Uh, one uh, Old Dominion. You big Old Dominion fan? I Country know who fan? Old Dominion is. I can't say I'm a huge fan. Okay, well that's. Hey, did you ever, Kevin? Did you ever listen to any Old Dominion? I didn't. No. Yeah. So here's what you're gonna have to do, Kevin. You're gonna have to listen to uh, one man band. Okay. 
um, No Hard Feelings, and Memory Lane. Those are three pretty popular songs by Old Dominion. So if you get a chance. But that was a fantastic concert. We were up there. It was all part of the No Bad Vibes tour. Just they put on a great show. I love it. Um, how about, and the other thing we did up there, uh, Kev uh, and John, is axe throwing. You guys ever throw axes? I have not done it. Negative. Negative, huh? That was, uh, that was actually my first time throwing axes. And let me tell you, I had the guy finally had to come over to me and say, you're throwing the axe too hard because I couldn't get that thing to stick in. But he said I was throwing it too hard. And then I had to you know, change up my the process there and and get that thing but that was a lot of fun uh axe so if you get a chance to axe so i would i would highly encourage to do that last thing i want to do here uh kev is i want to give a shout out to poe he's one of the managers at little angie's cantina in duluth uh he took great care of us uh up there with uh, friends and family uh and my oldest son blake as you know i know you stay in contact with blake too he's been texting us about the show but uh he works there but we were there at Little Angie's Cantina in Duluth, and, and Paul took great care of us, and so appreciate that. And I will tell you, Kevin, if you get a chance to get up there, you would be hammering. You would be hammering the chips and salsa up there. Buddy. Oh, yeah? Good oh, yeah. chips and salsa? Oh, yeah. Chips oh, and salsa. And I, I know. And so I, I thought of you, so if you ever get up there. But, yeah, feeling good. How about you, Kev? Where are you at? Uh, I'm good this week. You know, here's, here's what I took away from this week as, um, you know, we're coming off the week with the weather and everybody's schedule got a little messed up. I am finding that the older I get, the more and more I realize how much I rely on consistency and how much it throws me off. Um, when the schedule is different, um, you know, not, not having the kids in the building for two days a week. Everything changes. You sleep differently. You eat differently. Um, it just, it really messes you up. I don't know. For me, it just, I, I kind of just felt off all week and um, had a slip on Monday. Uh, yeah. Fell gonna, and hit my head. Ask, so. I was going to ask you about that because you, that, uh, obviously that we, we, we shared last week that you're yeah. uh 50 miler, right? You're training for a 50 miler. And then I texted you on, on Sunday. Monday. And I said, "Hey, how you doing?" And what happened? I just took a spill, just running. It it, it was uh, it was actually Monday. Now that I think about it, it was that day that it was uh, snowing a little bit in the morning, and I was just going down a slight um, downhill. And and right as I was about to uh, say to myself, "Gosh, I should walk down this," my feet just right out from underneath me and landed flat on my upper back and smacked my head on the pavement. And um, so that threw me off too for the week. But uh, but anyway, other than that, pretty good for the most part. Reeves, have you ever ran a 50-miler before? I try to never run if I possibly can. <laughs> it's not a part of my routine. It's not part of your routine. No. How, the furthest you've ever ran, whoa, what, what, like a race? Yeah, event? great question. You know, um, I was in college, and there was a girl that I was interested in. I think I can go into a story like yeah. this. <laughs> and uh, she was a big runner. The only thing I had were probably a pair of old skateboard shoes at the time. And so I thought, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to go out. I was, an, I was an athlete, and so I think I can I can go out and run and she she knew what we, she was doing and she pushed me to the limit and I think we went around 10 miles um, I can't say that I ran 10 miles straight but I made the 10 miles and I found out real quick what shin splints were after that it <laughs> yeah. was a miserable miserable experience and I always go back to that when I think of running again um, I don't do it yeah it's fun Kevin you know I've gotten to know Kevin over the you know past few years but he's a uh, he's definitely into uh, running and I always like to hear his stories and so I'm going to be cheering him on as he tries to compete his first 50 miler here coming up in September so 
That's awesome. So hopefully no 102 degree temperature as you're Yeah, there. I don't know. Yeah, typically it's pretty nice up there in September. So it's up on the North Shore. Oh, so. maybe. Oh, yeah. What he, I think he's talking about is if you have a fever. Of oh, I'm sorry. Degrees, I didn't catch yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's a big commitment. <laughs> you paid there for you it. Go. You paid for it already. <laughs> there you go. I think I there's a mentality, involved, baby. Uh, you know, yeah. we'll see. I had a slip this week as well. Can oh. I share this? Yeah, with you? absolutely. Go right ahead. Uh, I wear flip flops when I grill in the winter. Yeah. Actually, all seasons I wear flip flops. I don't tend to wear my indoor shoes outdoors. And I uh, was had some steaks ready to put on the grill, and was walking outside out my front door. And my wife was on the phone with a family member. And same thing as Kevin yeah. happened to you. Feet went out from under me, landed directly on my tailbone, on the on my back, and my you know I screamed for my wife who comes running out of the door and just laughed at me. No sympathy whatsoever. The stakes were saved. That was the most important <laughs> thing, and what was her biggest you know uh, worry in the whole process. But it hurts. Oh yeah, it hurts. Yeah. It's it set me back a little bit too. Yeah, not Absolutely. fun. Not fun. What do you think, Kev? Let's uh, introduce uh, John here to the yeah, listeners. Yeah, we've already, uh, you know, kind of talked to him a little bit, but let's let's get into this. So, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we've got John Reeves here today, high school principal uh, on the show today. John is a relationship-driven leader who has a ton of experience in leadership, work-life balance, stress reduction, and mental health, and everything in between. It's always great to learn from other leaders. Welcome, John, and thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us on today's episode. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys, and I'm thrilled, as other guests have said, that you guys are doing this, exploring this new medium to get the word out on very important topics uh, to a group of people that's a special fraternity, I know, to all of us here in the room. Absolutely. Great. Well, we're going to have some fun. So, John, let's kick this off. So the random question of the day is something that we've started here with uh, Kevin and I back when we started uh, this podcast. But last week's question was, do you rinse your dishes and put them in the dishwasher right away or do you leave them on the counter or sink? So before I get into today's question, what do you what, what do you say to that? Immediately. <laughs> I think in, in when we had been texting earlier this week, I had listened to your previous podcast, which is fantastic. The guests were great, but I think there was a stat given. I don't know if it was like 215 or st- arguments. Yep, yep. I start all of those uh, <laughs> in, in our house. Uh, I cannot stand uh, the, the kitchen being dirty. And so uh, we do the dishes right away. Yeah, that's that's good to know. All right, so this week's question, random question of the day. Here you go. So when you get home from being out of town, okay, so picture yourself maybe on vacation, maybe you're gone for a long week or whatever, but when you get home from being out of town or on a vacation, do you unpack your suitcase and put things away right away, or do you just drop your things in the house and kind of live out of the suitcase for a while? (laughs) Uh, Easy answer. Uh, Our laundry room is right in our entryway in our mudroom as we come in from the garage. I unzip whatever kind of bag I'm carrying and I empty everything right into the washer right there immediately. So done. You're, you're just bam, done. Even done. if there's an item in the bag that you didn't wear? Yes, because typically the dirty items are intermixed and I have to, I have to have I'm them right clean. there with you. That's yeah. exactly what I do. And I don't typically like hotels either. I just, it, they're not all that cleanly to me. And so if my clothes touch something in the hotel room, have to be washed. All right. Well, that's good to know. Kevin, what about you? Where, where are you at with this? I'm pretty much right there with him. When I get home from a trip or whatever, not that that happens very often because 
I don't like to go anywhere. I like to stay <laughs> home. But if I go, let's say I have like an out of town race or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I dump everything right away and take care of it. You yeah. know, it's, it's interesting because some of the stuff I was reading this week on this, they were giving some advice on what to do. But even before you, uh, when you're leaving your destination or wherever you're leaving, how you can pack up your suitcase and get it ready to go to, you know, unpack it and just some tips like that. But what I want to share with you, this is I, I'm kind of, I go in between. Sometimes I can come home and, uh, you know, right away, get the things out of the suitcase, put them in the wash. Then there's sometimes too, it just, I guess it just depends where I'll set it down and then I'm doing something else. And then later on in that day, I'll, I'll get it done to it. But here's what I will tell you. Uh, so this was, uh, a little poll that they gave and it says 26% of Americans say they unpack immediately. So that would be you two. Uh, 24% say they typically unpack a few days after they get home. 21% unpack the day after. And then there's the 11 percenters who they just unpack. You know, it could be whenever. It could be a week. could be two weeks. So it's, it's good to know that uh, I'm in a room with uh, two freaks that like to just get their stuff put in the wash and get going here. So anyway, a little fun fact there, John, and I appreciate you playing along with the random question of the day. Okay, let's jump into some questions. John, why don't you uh, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, where'd you grow up, uh, where'd you go to school, leading, coaching activities, kind of just give the listeners a general sense of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You had Bob Driver on a few weeks ago. He was a Robbinsdale guy. I grew up in Robbinsdale as well through my elementary years. And so uh, we've got that connection, which is kind of a special thing. Um, my dad was a teacher at Plymouth Middle School for his, well, I shouldn't say his entire career. He started at Minneapolis and then went to the Robbinsdale School District uh, shortly thereafter. Uh, and so raised in a family of educators. My mom was a paraprofessional in the school system as well for many years. And so we were taught as a family to really value education. Um, and at some point, my parents decided to just move uh, out of the Robbinsdale area and they settled in Monticello. And that's where I ended up going to high school um, and graduating from had a great at that time experience in that community, which was a little smaller at the time and had a lot of people that invested in me. And I think for a lot of us were influenced as educators by educators and is, sure. is a reason why we got into this particular path. For me, my dad played a big role in that, but certainly the educators that I came into contact with in my experience at Monty that helped pave a path for me to follow. Um, following that, I really didn't know what to do. I lived in Colorado for a year with a bunch of buddies uh, after high school, and it was great because we all shared a love for the outdoors, a love for backpacking and hiking. And so we were in a place called Estes Park, Colorado. Oh, yeah. Some of you might be familiar with mm -hmm. that. And Rocky Mountain National Park is there. And so spent some time there and then Came back and uh, found my way to the University of Northwestern St. Paul where I did my undergrad work. And it wasn't until my sophomore year there that I kind of thought about education again. There was a person that just kind of said, John, here's your skill sets. Have you thought about being a teacher? And um, I, I recognized the platform, I think, at that point that there's a really big influence that you can have on the lives of students. And 
education keeps you young in some ways as well. And so at that point, I just kind of made a decision that this is the path that I'm going to follow and, uh, and did. And fortunate enough after high school to get hired at my alma mater, which was Monticello, uh, taught there for 13 years. I was a social studies teacher and really value the relationships that I have with the, the people still there to this day. Um, and then at some point, I think for all of us in our careers, we come to a spot where we just were challenged to do something a little bit different. I'm not saying that things are stagnant because I, I still look back on teaching as I'm a teacher at heart. I'm a teacher first. I think we have to be as principals. Um, if we lose that perspective, we lose touch with reality in schools. Uh, that was the best, the best job I ever had. I really do feel that that classroom experience, but I wanted, and people challenged me to take a look at stepping into leadership. And I, I wanted to take on a different challenge. Um, and I say the 13 years intentionally, because I don't think I'd be the leader I am today. Not that I'm perfect. But if I hadn't put in that time into the classroom, uh, I wouldn't be who I am today. Those 13 years were extremely valuable for me. I wouldn't have wanted on my journey to be in the classroom any less or any more. It was the perfect time to transition for me. And I transitioned into an assistant principal role at Monticello for four years. Uh, worked under the guidance of a guy named Mike Carr. Um, mm -hmm. And he's someone yep. who had a huge influence on me and my leadership and who I am. Uh, and then was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to transition after Bob retired or moved on or shifted his position at STMA to go to St. Michael Albertville High School. And so that's where I find myself here in, in year three, transitioned right in the middle of the pandemic, which poses some really quite large leadership uh, challenges. But ultimately, I'm in a good spot and thankful for the opportunity to be there now. That's great. How about, did you have any um, coaching experiences? Uh or leading activities or things like that? I did, yeah. I'm sorry not to address that from Kevin's question, but I did coach uh, all the way through my teaching career uh, and coached basketball at a variety of levels. I was never a head coach, uh, but I coached at a, a JV um, sophomore level. And, and obviously that's another platform for us to really have an influence on the kids that we mm -hmm. work with because they have an opportunity to see you in a different light. And I think that's the challenge for us as principals is still finding those avenues where kids see us in a different light. When you're coaching, that's pretty easy. But as an administrator, how do you find those ways to connect with kids outside of your role that come along with coaching? We don't have that opportunity necessarily. And so we have to kind of find those ways to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, did you... Uh, after um, high school, did you go on and play? Uh, did you play any sports or anything like that after after high school? I did. I had the opportunity to play uh, basketball for all four years of my college experience, and I played baseball for one year. Uh, the reason I walked away from baseball was just due to the fact that uh, balancing two seasons coming back-to-back -back at a college level, even though it was a D3 level, is, is really intense. Um, and I just found that it, it was not – um, something that was sustainable for me as an athlete, and so I focused my attention on basketball for the remaining years of my college experience. Were you were you got were you the the Showtime like I'm gonna dunk and, and, and two hand <laughs> dunk and windmill kind of guy? Or were you were you out there just jacking threes? No, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, probably to my coach's <laughs> frustration, he's still there. He's got a good program. Certainly, uh, you know, we had fun. I had um, I really blossomed in college. Uh, was was proud of the career. I was a head case at times. I lacked a little maturity. <laughs> I I think there was one time I even like I like kicked some doors open after missing a shot and on a road game I'm, I'm still 
haunted by that <laughs> to this day. I, I learned a lot. I uh, grew up a lot during college, but um, yeah, it was a good experience. That's awesome. Love the stories. Hey, um, as we kind of transition here, we talk a lot about uh, routines and, and, you know, the balance part of our lives. And so what does your typical routine look like maybe during the week, uh, you know, before school uh, or coming home from work and then maybe a typical uh routine on the weekends what does that look like for you yeah that's a great question and i know you talk kevin's talks about his early mornings i'm an early morning guy too i think you know to frame this i i would answer it in this way i always view me as an individual as a husband first a father second and a principal third and if any of those things are out of order um, my life kind of gets in chaos right and so I have to keep that perspective and so I say that leading into this question of routine because my routines changed as my focus on those three things has changed Um, and and really my wife has helped coach me through that as well like what her needs are what she needs to see from me as a husband because if I'm not hitting there I'm not as good of a principal and I'm not as good of a, a teammate. I'm not as good of a coworker. I'm not as good of a father if I'm not hitting on that upper echelon. And there's that trickle down effect that takes place. And so, I've had to achieve the word balance, right? Like I don't, I don't really like that that word or the phrase work life balance. I don't know that that's really a thing. Um, I I do kind of phrase it this way: like I want to be fully present wherever I'm at, so that if I'm a husband, I'm fully present. I'm a dad. I'm fully present. I'm a principal. I'm fully present. Um, and so work-life balance to me gets a little foggy sometimes. And so my wife and I have had to find that balance for us, um, what works. And so my routine is I, I get up usually about 4.20 in the morning and I try to get to the gym by 5. I'm a breakfast person and so I like to fuel myself before I get to the gym. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Some people do. Yep. Um, could have a whole show on that. Yeah, we exactly. could. I'd love yeah. to talk about it yeah. too because I'm pretty regimented. But anyways, <laughs> um, and so to the gym by 5 and then I'm usually trying to get home by around 6 so that I can, I can get ready for work and spend some time with the boys because they're typically getting up around that time as well before I leave for the day. Uh, I do that Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Uh, My wife then does the morning workouts on Tuesday, Thursdays. And what we found is that's a good balance for us because then on Saturdays, we work out together, uh, and we happen to have the benefit of using the Y in Elk River uh, because they have daycare for us while we're working out. And so that's a time that we can spend together on a Saturday morning. And then Sundays, what we've done now is we just drop the kids off and we maybe go spend time hanging out in the hot tub. Um, I don't particularly like hot tubs because I think they're cesspools. <laughs> My wife does like it, and it's just dedicated time for us on a Sunday morning to spend investing in one another in conversation where we don't have the distraction of life. And so we've found that to be the balance for us. And there's other things that we've tried to shift around in our schedule to make that work, right? Like we, we now go to church on Saturday afternoon uh, so that our Sunday mornings can be a time that we can focus on one another. And so I try to get in those four workouts a week that works with my schedule. She's able to do the same. And we found that routine to work for us. That's great. That's good. I'm curious. Let's just get into the nitty gritty of it because this is what we want listeners, right? We want listeners to to uh, take some nuggets of information and say, yeah, I'm going to try to apply that to my my own situation. Um, what are you doing at the gym? Like, what is your end goal? What are you? What have you been? And has that changed over the years? Like, like literally, what are you doing? Working out wise, are you? I mean, have you lip- seen this guy right well, now? I mean, he's ripped right now. He's I mean, got what? some biceps. <laughs> um, so clearly, he's 
done some bicep <laughs> curls, but oh, I'm but, blushing. But generally speaking, like what is it that you're doing? Yeah, it's good. That that has changed over the years as I've gotten older. Um, I think you know I'm 42 now, and so I I tend to make the most of my time in the gym, and I try to limit it to a certain time frame. I don't work out over an hour anymore. I think there was a time in my life where I'd work an hour and a half, sure. um, exhaust myself, um, and, and really approach things differently. And, and nowadays I think I, I'm better at working out for a goal of maintaining as opposed to trying to grow uh, that's really not the goal anymore. So what that might look like for me is that I isolate specific areas as I, as I enter the gym. And so I'll spend a day doing chest, for example, and I, I really try to do heavy weight. Um, and I try to do low reps and there's all sorts of science out there about mm -hmm. how you want to approach that. I think for guys in their forties, um, we tend to lose muscle at a rate of about 1% a year. And so for me to maintain strength, I've found that to be the best approach for me. There are certainly days where I'll pump up my rep schemes into the to the 13 to 15 range sometimes 8 to 12 um, and I know we're getting a little bit into the the mud here I with this that, this is <laughs> oh, the kind of stuff good. I love it we that's don't good. want to go too um, deep yeah. on this but yeah but but I, I focus and isolate areas and then on Wednesday I'll come back and I'll lift my legs I try to get my legs in twice a week and so if I hit Wednesday I know I can circle back to them on on Saturday and then uh, what I'll do is I'll on a Friday spend time doing arms and then on that second leg day, I'll hit my back and shoulders with my legs. And so always prioritizing the legs, because I think if there's anything that's kept me young, it's a, an ability to focus on lifting legs more than anything. And I think there's pretty good research out there that allows, you know, when you're lifting heavy and squatting that your testosterone maintains certain levels in your body as well. And so I think it's, it's important to, to really uh, focus in on, on that. Any cardio? I will most more times in the summer, uh, and I've changed my approach to cardio as well. I'll do things like burpees. Okay. Um, I'll do things like um, plyometrics as opposed to running because for me, I feel like I can through diet and um, just I think with the cardio, the impact affects me more now with my age. Sure. And so I'm just trying to be smarter about that as well. There was a time where I ran more routinely, but it wasn't anything like you're doing. It was going for a mile jog, right? Yeah. Maybe twice a week because there's benefit to that cardio still. Um, but I do it differently. Interesting. Yep. And you mentioned, I'm going to go off script here a little you bit, kind of go right off ahead. on a tangent here. You, you mentioned nutrition. I did. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um, that's a huge area of interest for me mm -hmm. being uh 100% plant-based yeah um do you have a philosophy around nutrition or are you is it you know there's there's so much stuff out there right i there mean there's is. there's keto there's vegan there's 80 20 i mean there's just all this stuff do you prescribe to something specific or are you just it's a great question there was a phase in my life where i was vegan as well okay. just to try something different for me and to cut out certain things and then slowly reintroduce them sure and so for example something that stuck is i've really tried to limit dairy in a lot okay. of ways um and i found some benefit to that uh, as I've moved forward, even though I've gone away from a vegan diet, I think what I would tell people is what's sustainable for you, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Like Absolutely. what can you do yep. specifically from a workout standpoint and from a diet standpoint that's sustainable because so many things are 
phases or people can jump onto a diet, but it only lasts for a certain amount of time. Um, and so I encourage people find what's sustainable for me. I eat a pretty regimented diet on a daily basis that takes me through breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, and then I allow myself a little bit of flexibility with dinner, knowing that if I can maintain consistency with breakfast and lunch, I can be a little bit more flexible with what my dinners look like. And ultimately, I'm the only one really eating breakfast, so it doesn't matter what I eat. I can eat what I want, right? It doesn't have an impact on my wife and I cooking together or my family necessarily, and I'm preparing my lunch as well. And so I tried to be pretty regimented with that to allow that flexibility in the end of if I want to go have a pizza at night or if I want to have that burger with my buddies when I'm out or my wife when I'm out that's that's what I do and so that's what's been sustainable for me and uh, I also eat pretty much the same thing every breakfast snack lunch and snack Um, and then obviously I provide myself some latitude when it comes to dinner so that's been sustainable for me so have you gotten to that point with the with the consistency with the food like um you counting calories you paying attention to macros um like what what's What's where you gauging things? There was a time in my life when I did, and I think that I'm at the point now where I don't as much because you just kind of know what that you I've need. said. I know yeah. what I need and what works for me. Yeah, um, the portions of what I need based on what I've done in the past, um, and I've seen I've seen that consistency pay off for me. Yeah, and, and been beneficial to me. So I I don't get into the the yeah. the weeds of that as much yeah. as much That's as good. I used to. Well, I would say the the cool thing is that. I hope listeners understand too, is I think everybody's different and you said it, you, you got to figure out yourself what's going to work for you when it comes to nutrition, working out, whatever that is. And we can go through uh, life and it may change, right? We may, you know, like you said, you may go through certain parts of your life at, at this phase of my life, I was doing this and you know what, then I figured out my body needs this or as I get older. Maybe my workouts change, and that I would say reflects me as well. And I look at you know myself and and what I've been doing as well too. I'm going to switch it up here a little bit. Um, social media, okay? I mean, we could talk episode after episode on social media, the the do's, the don'ts, and all that other stuff. But a couple things uh, that I have for you. Number one, are you staying up to date uh, with social media? Like, are you on social media? And then, what platforms are you on? Who do you follow? And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with something that I've been reading a lot about in the addiction of, of smartphones. So. Yeah. Uh, great question. I think as administrators, the struggle is always how do we utilize social media to further our brand, um, to get the word out and be proactive with the narrative of what is taking place in our schools with what exactly you're talking about, which is the danger of going down the rabbit hole and spending hours on these platforms. And that's my struggle. Maybe it's this Mm -hmm. way for you guys. I just, I found that once I enter the rabbit hole of social media, it takes away from my precious time. The present moment, what you're talking about. A hundred percent. Are you where your feet are? And, and I found that when I go down that rabbit hole, I'm not a dad to my, my kids, mm-hmm. right? Or if I'm doing it after my kids are in bed, I'm not a husband to my wife. And so I've really tried to be conscientious about when I spend time on social media. And I have to be honest with you guys, I've really dialed back significantly. Mm-hmm. I think if you had asked this question three years ago even, uh, pre-pandemic, I, I would have had a very different response. Mm-hmm. I think the current struggle for me is just that. 
what what can I do to do the things that we want to do within a school um, mm-hmm. without it being a trap for me as an individual because it is a trap and there there is this addiction that exists for even us as adults that's a real struggle um, even as a, an administrator in a building but I feel like if I'm not doing it I'm falling behind in yeah. a number of different ways and so um, I'm using YouTube. Yep. I use YouTube quite a bit because I, I communicate through videos with our student body. Um, oh, I, I communicate with our staff in our in our community through video. Uh, that might be in our monthly newsletter. I always have a video portion of it. Uh, it might be that I run a virtual staff meeting on some months and I'm mm-hmm. using video to stay in front of staff as opposed to pulling them together with information that I can easily share via email or video. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I run a school account as well as my personal account. Uh, they kind of serve the same purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I use Instagram from a personal standpoint, um, but I want to explore that from a school or a professional standpoint. And then, of course, there's there's the whole TikTok. <laughs> and uh, my wife is using it as a resource constantly for cooking and yeah, ingredients. And, it, and it's a yeah. great resource. Yeah, I just haven't dove into it. I, it's funny. I just talked with our activities director this week about this very topic, not knowing you'd ask us about it. I just said, should we be looking at hiring someone to do this for us full time? Right, exactly. Because it's so hard to keep up, but it's so important in, in today's educational realm. Uh, and so I just haven't figured out how to do it effectively yet without it taking away from me. Right, that's, that's so <laughs> yeah. true. And you know, Kevin has tagged me with our social media director too. So, I mean, I've tagged him. It's just because I didn't want it. <laughs> he's, he's given all that. But what I would say though, it is, there's so much to it and how, how much can you take in without, um, without it interfering with other things in your life. And I think that's the piece I've been reading a lot lately about obvious, and, and this isn't going to shock anybody, but the addiction that these, the, that kids have, and even adults to their phones, they can't get off of them. They're on, they're on them all the time. So do you, would, in your opinion, any advice that you would share to parents or others about just what they could do to maybe help either their, their, their child kind of pull back from it or anything? Yeah, and I can speak to this from a parent as well, just because of my, my daughter uh, being 16 years old and, and going on 21 and certainly seeing the influence that social media has there as well. I think from a school standpoint and a, and a parental standpoint, it's a partnership between both, right? We need both both parties at work to really support our students because I don't think any of us really know what students are exposed to and the traps that they fall into uh, because of the influence of social media. Um, And so putting up boundaries is really, really important. I don't know that any school has solved that yet. What I can tell you at STMA is that we made a decision this year to attempt to remove them from the classroom. Uh, That has not been perfect in execution, but I will say it has been one of the biggest impacts on school culture that we've made. Now, does that mean that every classroom every day is, again, perfect in implementation? No, I'm not going to sit here and state that. And that's kind of the thing that I go back to as a building principal is, okay, next year, do we need to even go harder on this? Because when we talk with our kids, they will tell you, we know it's better for our education. We know it allows us to be where our feet are. We know it allows us to make a better investment in, in what we're doing in a classroom. But it's a battle right? It's a battle and kids will try to take advantage of it as as best they can. And so um, I think from an educational standpoint, just as it is in in a home, is having boundaries for students when it comes 
to uh, social media because it can be something that has really detrimental impact on, on students' mental health specifically, I think, is where I see it. Yep, and that's one of the things Kevin and I are going to be diving into, not only with, obviously, principals and other leaders, but we have the opportunity to be here um, at HealthWise, and so we're going to be diving in with therapists and other holistic practitioners uh, to talk about this and the whole mental health piece and all sorts of things when it comes to cell phones. Hey, but I will t- I will tell you this. Before you leave here today, we are going to do a couple TikToks, okay? Kevin, I'm excited this is, about This it. is his favorite part of <laughs> He always loves when I do this part of it, too. But we're going to do, we're going to be in a couple TikToks. I am trying to learn TikTok, too. Uh, I will tell you I'm a complete beginner. Um, I figured out how to post and put all that stuff out there. But... We need to get one to go viral. So I'm hoping maybe today we get one to go viral and then we can really brand the two principals TikTok. Well, you need to include Kevin because what, what you heard from I, your listeners yes, is we need more they, Kevin. They want more Kevin. And I, I know. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I didn't see these emails. <laughs> well, some of them come directly to me, oh, pal. I've, it's I've, funny. I've we, sh- the- we share the same account. That's weird. <laughs> you had asked a question about podcasts. Yeah. Uh, just just a, a couple that I, or at least one that I'd throw out that's been very, very beneficial given kind of the themes of this podcast that I I think is worth, and I use I use my time working out to listen to podcasts, um, and so I just I think that's a time for me that I can I can do that proactively and not take away from any other aspects or points um, that I'm focusing on. But the Huberman Lab podcast is a really good one um, that is is topic based and gets into a whole lot of science behind yeah. a lot of the things that we're talking about. Um, and so I would recommend that to any listener as you look at things like diet, working out. Um, just overall well-being, mental health. He's got some great, great discussions. He's a prof researcher at Stanford, and he brings on a number of researchers to just have a scientific-based discussion on these topics. Take what you will from it, but it's been very, very um, helpful for me as I kind of think through what's going to best serve myself uh as as moving forward i would agree with you i love that podcast and and uh take it in as much as much as i can it kind of leads into my next question and we've kind of already um you know we've kind of talked about this a little bit um kind of talked about this a little bit already but what does taking care of yourself what does it look like and why is it so critical for people to do that. I I think it gets back to what I had stated earlier, and I'm sorry to repeat myself on this, Kevin, but um, I had talked about really that priority list of, of husband, father, professional, whatever that might be in our circle of work. It's, it's being a principal, right? Um, Taking care of yourself is taking care of yourself and every one of those aspects that allow you to be the best version of yourself <laughs> in all of the phases of, of your life. And, and like I said earlier, if I'm, if I'm not hitting as a husband to Kaylee, my wife, I know that it's going to have a trickle-down effect with me as a dad and with me as a leader in my building. Everything just becomes discombobulated. And so 
being able to uh, focus on those areas and allowing myself to be the best version of myself in those areas through looking for ways to grow as a husband, looking for ways to grow as a dad, and looking for ways to grow as a principal is going to is going to allow me to be that best version of myself and allow me to be effective in each of those each of those roles. Um, and when we lose perspective, um, it just it pulls the rug out from under us. And and like I said, uh, life can become chaos very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, that's fantastic. And kind of moving into the next realm of what I want to talk about with you or what we want to talk about is just the term mental health. Okay. What does mental health mean to you? When I say mental health, what does that mean to you? That's a tough question. Maybe different for different people. Um, but it's a, it's a consistent, um, positive state of mind that allows you to um, effectively navigate life. Uh, and and I, I want to be careful with that because it doesn't mean that everybody's positive all the time necessarily. Um, but how you approach things uh, with a sense of positivity does does impact how you navigate things. And so I guess that's how I'd answer that question. Um, and certainly it gets back to Kevin's previous question of, of, you know, when we're not taking care of ourselves, it has an impact on how you perceive things and how you view things. Um, and that can be, that can be detrimental if you're not approaching things from the right perspective. Absolutely. And one of the things that we're talking about and, and is the, the term mental health can be looked at as a, 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 a buzzword or a negative word, right? And what we're trying to do is bring light to the word mental health as being, it's just part of you. It's right. p- it, there's the physical health, there's emotional health, there's there's mental health, but it's part of you. It's not, it doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be good, but it's it's there. And what are you doing? And you said that so perfectly. I think inside education, all it, for everybody, whether inside or outside, everything's so tied together. It's not separate entities when we talk about social, you know, um, mental health, physical health, emotional. They're all tied together. And what I found is that people that are on the outside of education that come into education. Uh, they just, they're taken back by how hard the work is because mm-hmm. it really is. And I think as educators, whether principals or teachers, we are often guilty of not taking care of all those aspects of our life. And so we just get uh, unbalanced in, in what we do. And so we're not the best version of ourselves or the students that we work with on a daily basis. And so, you know, as teachers, are you taking a walk on your prep period? Are you being active as a, as a group of administrators, whether you're on a team or in isolation, are you taking time during the day to just breathe, step away from it? Because the pace is so intense. What we do and the amount of decisions that we make on a daily basis in such a short amount of time, um, and this is not pumping the chest, but the work that principals do and administrators do and the work that teachers do is really hard work. Um, and it's so easy to lose track of taking care of all of those aspects of our lives. Um, and so I think the, for us as administrators, setting an example, naming it with our staff, um, reminding them that these are the ways in which you can take care of yourself. We can't force people to do stuff, but these are the ways that you can take care of yourself and providing opportunities for them to do that allows them to see that, Hey, 
the leader in this building's prioritizing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to think about that as well. And so when we talk about all this stuff like diet and working out, it's all related to mental health. Yeah. Because if that stuff's off, it's going to have an impact on on your mental health. So I'm going to ask you. You're you're. I know you're biased, obviously, because this is what you do in your free time. You 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 know you work on yourself physically, um, which is one aspect of overall health. You could get into the science behind what happens to your body on a molecular level, right? When you, when you put it through stress and, and uh, exercise and all that stuff, what do you say to the, the individual who that's not their thing, right? We know, I mean, I'm biased too, obviously, but I know there's a connection between physical activity and, and mood. Um, I'm a firm believer in that. 100%. You mentioned something just a couple minutes ago about, are you taking a walk on your prep? Are you, are you, do you as a leader, do you try to encourage individuals that aren't necessarily active on purpose <laughs> to try to get at least some activity, even if it is a just a walk? Because there's there's research that suggests even just doing that. Even, you know, we talked about, Jason, you and I, talking about uh, walking around barefoot yeah. uh, on the ground yeah. and like, Grounded, um, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So talk to me a little bit about one your stance on on your own experience of incorporating physical activity with with your overall health and wellness and then um how might you maybe uh convey that to somebody else who's that's not their their world i guess the way i'd answer that question is if it's not a if it's not a focus of yours as a leader um it's, it's never going to come to fruition in any of the followership that you have. We can't ever force anyone into anything that they don't want to do. But if you continue to have that as part of your narrative, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this because I'm, I'm not uh, as a building leader. And even as we talk about this in the back of my head, I'm like, well, in my weekly email to my staff now, I need to include something regarding mental health or more of a focus on that. Um, so, so this is a really good reflection point as well. Um, but you have to have it in front of them to encourage them to do that and provide opportunities for them to do that, to allow them to think outside the box of what their normal routines are. Because we're creature of routines. We show up to our classrooms. We interact with the same five to six people on a daily basis, put in our time, and then we go home. How can you break that routine and offer them a picture of something different to their benefit? And ultimately, I found that people... People recognize it. They know it. Um, and so, again, we can't, we can't force them to do it, but having it as part of what we put in front of staff is really, really important. And speaking to the benefits that you've seen in your personal life with yeah. it as well. Nobody necessarily wants to sit, listen to me in a staff meeting talk about workout routine. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> that that's why I'm, I'm glad for this podcast. That's yeah. good. We can do that a little bit. Um, but, but if you can have it sprinkled in, in ways that allow staff to be exposed to it, that's a good thing. What I will tell you is that in front of my staff, I verbalize that I'm a husband first, I'm a father second, and I'm a I'm a principal third. And I have had positive feedback on that because I think there is pressure in our um, our roles as educators to be an educator first. Yeah. And so teachers feel that more than anybody and naming that as a building leader has had positive implications for me because they recognize that, 
hey, this is the order that it should be in, and they recognize, I hope, the balance that exists. Well, it's giving them permission, right? Uh, you're, of course. You're, you're acknowledging that, that they want to be the same way, and so it's, it's, it's giving them permission to feel that, and, um, and, and maybe that ties into their own reflection on their own mental health and, and um, overall wellness and stuff. So I think the other good. thing that's important as it relates to this when it comes to staff in, in a building leader is being conscientious about your communication when communication is going out, uh, if you're going to talk about balance and you're going to talk about prioritizing self, you better model it, right? Like I'm more, more than any year this year, I've been, I've tried to be really conscientious about when I'm sending out emails, I'm not sending them out on a weekend. Um, I will use the schedule send to send them out in the morning as opposed to sending it out at eight or nine o'clock at night for staff. Cause guess what? They get that ding on their phone, yeah. right? Or they see something come. I need to read it now. No, you need to be, you need to be a, 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 a person right now. You need to be a dad right now, a mother right now. Uh, you, you need to be present where you're at. And, and if I'm the one taking away from that, right. I've got to self-check. And so really as a building leader, setting a standard for what communication looks like and allowing there to be a separation from work and and your personal life. And I love That's that. Good. I think that gives a, a great perspective for us. And it doesn't matter what job you're doing, but as, as you know, when we get out into our jobs, we want to do really well at it. But then how do you shut that down and go be present and connect with your family or with whatever you're going to do? And I think the, the, some of the advice you gave there for leaders is, you know, we got to shut down the technology too. You know, we can't be behind that because um, just let people get home and, and do what they need to do. Because what what I will know, what I know about myself and others is that when they're taking care of themselves and they're filling themselves up, they're going to come back to work and they're going to be in a better state of mind and they're going to be better in front of the, you know, all that stuff. So I think that is great. I'm going to switch it up here real quick, Kev, if that's okay. Um, go to meal. So John Reeves, if I'm going to say to you, what is your go-to meal that you're going to make for your family that your family's like, Hey, I want, I want, I want this. What, what's that going to be? <laughs> Uh, my wife, my, I, I, my wife would kill me if she, if I, if I said I cook for our family, cause I do not cook for our family. I, <laughs> I grill, I grill, but she is a, an exceptional cook, really health conscious when it comes to what she, uh, what she cooks. And so she's a great partner, uh, in that with, with us. I will tell you, um, that growing up, uh, in a, in an Italian family, my family every Sunday had pasta. My dad made his own sauce um, and meatballs, and, and that's what we had. And so we have tried to continue that tradition for our family as well. So every Sunday, uh, we have that. And it's typically a time we can have people over the house and enjoy that. Uh, but if I'm cooking, I'm grilling steak or chicken. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm grilling. I'm not really spending a whole lot of time in Got the kitchen. It. That's good. Thank you. Okay. Um, we're going to jump into, you know, one of the things that I like to learn about as we are, uh, sitting down with our guests is what makes you, you. And when we ask somebody that question, what make, what made you the leader that you are, you referenced it earlier in the interview talking about, um, you know, the influence that coaches can have on us and, and how we get into the education. But I'm curious, who, who was it for you? Um, what time of, uh, you know, your period of childhood was it, was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Um, just interested. 
Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think the the first time that we, we talk about those relationships, right? Like loving kids. We have a platform to love kids. And I think we need to be open about saying that as educators, because I think the ones that are the most effective are the ones that display love for the kids that they work with. Um, that's, that's what makes us effective. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at that either. I want to be humble in the approach, but I've tried to operate from a place of love as an educator that was displayed for me from educators. Um, Sophomore year, Paul Peterson, he's now superintendent of Mankato Schools. Um, he was my geography teacher and a baseball coach. And I remember uh, specifically him taking an interest in me personally, right, as a person, um, saying to me, John, you want to go play catch after school? Um, and, and I thought, what? Like, I'm a baseball player. That made sense. He was a coach, but he just wanted to spend time right? He wanted to get to know me. He made an investment. And all these years later, I can pinpoint that moment as being one that was influential for me, right? Because it wasn't about the the content of the class. It wasn't about 10th grade world geography. I didn't care about that, even though I ended up being a social studies teacher. (laughs) I didn't care about that. I cared that Paul Peterson took an interest in me as an individual. And I noticed the difference that it made for me as a a young man. Um, And there are all sorts of teachers along the way that did similar things, right? Like uh, a college prof named Bruce Melander, uh, who was a former principal in Okahempin School District, um, pulled me aside and took an interest in me, asked me to go golfing with him as a college student, would take time after class every day to speak with me, to recognize in me the potential that I had as an educator, speak truths to me, encourage me, and the difference that that made. Again, not about the content of what it was that was brought forth through the class that he taught, but about his heart for me as an individual. And I've tried to keep that in mind, those, those, those markers throughout my life, those individuals that have had that influence on me because of their heart, because of a display of love, um, and a reminder for me that even on the toughest days, that's why we're in this. This is the influence that we can have. Uh, it's because of, of the heart that we display. And as a leader in school, what's the narrative that you're showing your, class, your, your students? What's the narrative that you're displaying to the staff that work for you when it comes to that heart? How do you redirect them back to that? And it's, it's hard because I'll tell you what, the last two years in education, three years, have been unbelievably difficult, right? And, and you, want, you don't want to be tone deaf to what people are dealing with. You know, if you stay, stand in front of your, cl- your, your, your uh, staff and you're talking about heart constantly, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you, you're, you're going to lose followership with that. So you have to be careful, but that's, that's what it's about. And that's what we have to get pointed back to in education to make the biggest difference in a time of the greatest need. Um, I really do feel that post-pandemic, whether you're talking about mental health, um, whether you're talking about behaviors, whether you're talking about gaps in learning, education has some pretty big hurdles right now that we're dealing with and trying to navigate. And it's difficult work, but it's about the heart. Mm-hmm. And if we can we can focus in on leading with our heart, I think that that goes a long way. And that was just modeled for me by leaders in, in my life as I, as I got into this profession. What I hear you saying is, is um, <clears throat> there's, we probably have all heard it. One of my favorite sayings, I don't even know where it comes from, but you're going to forget what people teach you, but you're never going to forget how they made you feel. And what I'm hearing you talk about is you're referencing people in your lives, in in your life as you were growing up, 
how they made you feel. That's exactly right. And that's just huge. And so I, I, I just appreciate you pointing that out. And it's, it's, uh, it's good stuff. I think when we talk about the things like mental health of students in schools, we can talk all day long about programs um, that can be brought into a, and the, there's, there's place for that. But the biggest difference maker with kids is a positive adult who shows them love and shows them something different and can, and can empathize with what a student is going through. That's, that's the most important tool that we can put in front of students who are struggling. It doesn't take away from the other things that are needed within schools. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but that is the key player in anything that's going on within a school. I would, I would totally agree. And I would, everything that I have learned through my time being a leader, it's always people over programs. 100%. It's the people leading the programs. Programs are, yeah, there's a time and place for them, but it's the people there and what, what are they doing and how are they impacting. So that's that's fantastic. I want to follow up a little bit. and you, You've been touching on this as we've gone through this whole uh, time here, but <clears throat> just leadership, right? That's a big word, leadership. What does it mean to you and how are you building and sustaining a positive culture in what you do at your job or with your family or whatever? Yeah, leadership uh, to me is, you know, uh, a person that is moving people towards a common goal. Um, that's kind of a broad definition of leadership. And, and how do you, as a, a building leader, uh, allow the leaders within to grow? I think that's the real challenge. Um, how do you instill within staff leadership? I always say this to staff, the best things that happen in a building aren't because of us as principals. <laughs> they're not, right? Like they're because of staff members displaying leadership skills and following the passions that they have. So I want to say yes as many times as I can to anything that a staff member comes to me with. I will break down walls to try to say yes. And sometimes we're limited by the amount of funds that we have flowing into schools or we're limited by space. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons to say no. We can say no every day. Say yes. And, and what that does is it gives staff hope right? Well, administration's listening to what my passions are. They want to partner with me in providing a path. I'm not going to do it for you as a building leader, right? Like, but, but I'll try to make it as easy as possible to make that pathway something that you can follow, um, saying yes. And so I think that builds followership. And then another thing that's really important is trust. And it gets back to what we were talking about with relationships. How do you build trust with staff? You know, we've got a fairly large building as, as do you guys, you know, um, we've got 2,300 students, we've got 120 staff members. And I think as I've transitioned into a new role, what's been difficult coming from where I came from, where I, where I taught for 13 years, moved into a position of leadership is that those relationships were there. Uh, people knew who I was, like it, hate it, whatever. They knew who I was. And I think generally people knew that my intentions were rooted in doing what's best for kids. As you come into a new role as a leader, it's difficult because you don't have those relationships. You have to intentionally form them and gain trust with staff. And how, do the, how does that trust happen? It happens through working through individual situations 
alongside staff members. And that takes time and you build followership through that. And so, you know, here we are in year three and I feel like I'm in a better spot than I was during year one. Um, but it's taken time to build that trust and to have the, um, the ability to say yes to the things I want to say yes to when people bring forward things. And that was further complicated by COVID too. We were all in a, in a, in a, in a state in education where there were probably a lot of no's <laughs> and, and uh, you were just making really difficult decisions in such a quick uh, manner that s- sometimes that may have jeopardized trust in some ways. Right. And I, and I would say too, just being, uh, being a leader and being in a, a new position, or if it's a business, if it's an organization, if it's a school, when you first, it, it takes time, you know, so much of what we want to do is we, we, we want to make it flip on a dime. Well, that's not going to, that, that's just not going to happen. I think it starts with what you're talking about, relationships, connecting, um, being there for one another, um, helping people see who you are as a person. So then you can, you can make that go. I love that. That's, that's great. Okay. What do you got? I know we kind of got off topic there a little bit, but, uh, it was good stuff. I kind of lost track of where we were. Um, as a break in the action here, if people ever gotten a visual of what the space looks like here, we've, uh, included a few pictures. Yeah, on, on social media, on our website. But right. yeah, we're going to take some more. We got some pictures of you today. People <laughs> are going to see you today, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Jason and Kevin in their leather club chairs. It's a, it's a nice setting. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know. I don't feel like I'm dressed for sitting in a leather chair, but um, but oh well. Um, how about uh, you've kind of alluded a little bit to some podcasts. Um, are you a reader? I summer. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the, the, the coined uh, administrator response it as is far indeed. as uh, books. It is um, how about uh, growing up as a kid? What kind of kid were you? I wasn't a kid that got in trouble. You know, I'm the oldest of uh, three. I've got a brother that's an educator. I talked previously about my, my, my parents both being educators. My brother's a teacher. My sister's a teacher. All of us went and followed our um, our father and mother's path into education, I think, because of the value that was instilled within us. Um, and so I was the oldest of three kids, and, and uh, I wasn't someone that got in trouble. I was pretty straight and narrow throughout, and I can... Uh, really, I was surrounded by the right people, right? And isn't that so true in life? Like I just had a group of friends that were positive, that had the same set of values as I did. And I think as I look back at my life, like I can, I can take a look at the pieces of my life, whether high school, whether college, that has rung true for me so significantly. And even in my professional life, surrounding yourself with the right people uh, has such value to who you are. Um, and so, and so having the right people around you and, and removing yourself from those that might be that negative influence, which is often hard, um, is, is really key to, to success. And I think again, tying it back to our work as administrators, that's so important because we need to have conversations like this with administrators who share the same passions and the same goals, um, because we need to grow professionally and have that support in this work. Surrounding yourself with the right people is so crucial. And we are often, especially as, you know, Jason, this is nothing against Kevin, but as a, as a head building principal, it's an isolating position. Absolutely. It can be it an isolating position and having support systems in place and people 
that you're surrounded by is really key as you navigate some really tough tasks. Um, and so that's a total tangent of what you had yeah. asked, but <laughs> I like to tie it back to the yeah, work too. No, so. no, that's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> I think we're going to maybe kind of, are we close to wrapping this up? Yeah, I was. Or do you well, have any yeah, more? I've just, got one final question yeah, that I'm thinking of. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I'm gonna have you wrap it up. But be, just for the listeners, I just you know, John Reeves, we 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 so much appreciate you coming in today. But what about like um, just some fun things? What do you have? What type of music are you? Uh, are you are you rocking out to either before school or after school or maybe during the day? What what kind of gets your jam going and gets you in that high vibe and mood? Let's talk about it. I like it. Uh, favorite band, Avet Brothers. Ever heard of them before? I have not. Okay. I have not. Sounds no. good. Had okay. the opportunity to see them at Red Rocks a couple times. They're one of my favorite bands. North Carolinian. How about that? No, a North Carolinian I'm not, I'm not band. A big music guy. I am. Yeah. I'm a big. So I'm going to look these up here now, <laughs> and I'm you, going to. You know. You'll check them out if you I'm like a, Old Dominion. I, I would say they're kind of an alt country <laughs> folk uh, okay. sort of sort of feel. Um, I'm a big Willie Nelson fan. I oh, like yeah, old time country, and so I've got pictures of Willie Nelson in my house. Um, love him, Bob Dylan. Being a Minnesota boy growing up, kind of in that phase when classic rock came back into the picture in high school. Like I was a child <laughs> of the late '90s, and so I can still remember my mom came upstairs and I had the ACDC Kiss. I don't know if they're considered classic rock. I really liked like Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite bands ever. I love Led Zeppelin. Um, But my mom saw the ACDC and the Kiss and she had in her head that these were really bad CDs. She's (laughs) like, you can't have these. She threw them out. My my first CD ever was Styx, The Grand Illusion. Uh, I can can remember that. And so I've got this, uh, I've got this love for all things classic rock, but I really land now in my adult life in kind of a, an old school country uh feels so that's that's kind of where i'm at i love it thank you okay all right final question of the morning so as we've talked about jason and i the whole purpose of this is to try to create some change in people that are listening to the show and you probably have lots of great things uh in terms of what people could do and you've already shared a lot of them but there's going to be somebody listening to this right now and they're going to have some aspect of their life that they want to change, okay? It might be job-related. It might be uh, related to their physical health, their emotional health, relationships. Um, and they're struggling. They're looking, they're looking to do one thing, okay? Based on your own personal experience in your life, what would you tell that person? What is, what is one thing that they could do? What is one thing they should focus on? It's a big question. question. It is. Um, I would say putting boundaries in place that allow you to do the things that you want to do that make you the best version of yourself. What do I mean by that? Um, Especially as it relates to us as administrators, boundaries. What time are you leaving every day? Make that a non-negotiable. It's been a huge thing for my wife and I, right? Like Because it's so easy to stay at work forever. All of a sudden it becomes 5.30, becomes 6, becomes 6.30, becomes 7. And one of the things that she's been good for me in regards to is saying, I want you home for family dinner at this time. And I know that there's things that we do on a weekly basis with supervisions and whatnot that come up that we have to be committed to. But I've said 5 o'clock. That's my time. I'm walking out of this building at five o'clock. And I've been pretty good at sticking to that. And it's been a difference maker. Whereas before it was 5.30 or six. Putting up that boundary, simple thing. 
has allowed me to be more present as a husband and a dad. Because all of a sudden, I'm home for an hour and a half or two hours before my kids go to bed. Where otherwise, that was I was walking in the door and putting my kids down to bed. Um, that's one simple boundary. Putting down your phone when you walk into the house for a set amount of time, whatever that is. Like I always have a tendency to check my email at night just to, so I can stay ahead for the next day. But putting that phone down for a couple hours so that I can be present there is a simple boundary that I have put in place that allows me to be present in those other aspects of my life. Going to bed at a specific time has allowed me to maintain consistency with getting up in the morning and working out. That's a non-negotiable for me because I know how it allows me to attack the day. And even if I've slept for three hours, I've got three kids that are three and a half and under. There's a lot of nights where I'm not getting a whole lot of sleep. I know that if I don't work out, my mental approach to the day is very different than what I do. So me being in bed and not having on Netflix or not in shutting off the TV and putting down my phone and going to sleep allows me to get up in the morning and maintain consistency with working out. That's a boundary that I've put in place that's allowed me to be the best version of myself. So my input to anybody listening is start small. Find the boundaries that allow you to do the things that you want to do that allow you to be the best version of yourself. Because if we don't have those boundaries, things get blurred and we just become, like I said, life becomes chaos. We've talked about it numerous times, but it all smart starts with small boundaries that you put in place. And we could talk a whole podcast about that. Absolutely. Um, but those are those are three applicable things right there that people can walk away from and, and I hope can apply. I love it. That's, that is really, really good uh, information and advice. So, well, I tell you what, John, um, I can't thank you enough for your time today. I know, I know you are a busy individual. Um, so you taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us uh, and have this conversation is greatly appreciated. It was full of laughs. It was full of learning. Um, your wisdom and insight came through um, in a, in a, in a wonderful way. And, and I know listeners are going to walk away with some uh, very applicable information. So, Hey, if listeners are interested in tapping into anything you're doing out there on social media, where can they find you? Uh, STMA high school, Twitter, uh, YouTube channel. We've got that going obviously and all things STMA on the website, check it out. Love to have people come out and love to meet with anybody about just leadership in general and have the conversation. So thanks for, thanks for providing that opportunity. Awesome, John. Thanks again. Thanks so much again for taking time out of your busy schedule for hanging out with the two principals today as we continue on this journey, one step at a time, one conversation at a time, one conversation at a time. And as we wrap up today's episode again, we'd love for you to follow, subscribe, rate, review our podcast wherever you listen. We are so grateful for your support. And as always, please follow us on all of our social media accounts at Two Principles, and you can find us on the web at www.twoprinciples.com. Questions for Kevin or myself, email us at twoprinciplespodcast at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for raising your frequency today and looking inward. We're wishing you peace and happiness on your journey. Remember, a better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. Until next time, get out of your head and into your heart.